The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and they went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? I think it's an interesting question. And Jesus is going to kind of avoid this question. When did you get here? And, and he's going to avoid the question of when and how did you get here? Because if Jesus would tell him, oh, I just took a stroll across the lake to get to this other side, they would have really wanted to make him king then. And Jesus is going to avoid this altogether, but he does ask a different question. He answers a different question of why they came. Verse 26, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. I think it's fascinating that Jesus, what he does here is he cuts right down to their motives. He cuts right to why they are actually there. And I think he does the same thing for you and I today. When we ask for things, when we see things, when we're, 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 we're wanting Jesus to come alongside us, it cuts to our motives. Why do we really want this? Why are we really asking these things? What are we really are, are, are looking for? It wasn't the wisdom that they wanted. It was just this fulfilling of, of, of their needs and their, and their wishes and what their desires were. He says, you were looking for me because you got a free lunch. And it was easy. And Jesus says, that's not the reason to follow me. So he goes on talking to them. He says, but this is so good. Verse 27, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. And it's very easy to say that, isn't it? But in this day and age, food was very, very hard to come by. It, was, it did mean survival for them. So they see an easy way out. You can understand why they're kind of following Jesus at this point. But he's trying to start doing something that kind of switches their mindset. Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. It's hard to come by. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And there's so much there we can unpack, but we don't have time today. But they were so hung up on the provision that they were missing the actual provider of this whole thing. And Jesus was kind of trying to change their mindset. He knows that he's ushering in this upside-down kingdom that they're not going to understand, and he's got to come alongside and use everything he can to get them to understand why he is there, what he is actually doing. And they did, went to all kinds of trouble to find Jesus, but they're searching after these material things, and Jesus wants to switch their mindset to thinking about eternal things, not just the temporal, not just the things of this world, not just the things that they are, are searching for to benefit them. He wants them to spend their energy seeking these eternal things things. He said, I want, to, I want you to be hungry for something that will last, not just this little snack that I gave you. God wants to be our sustenance, not, our, not just a snack, just something that we do on the side here. And, and, and we unpacked it a little bit, Jordan unpacked it a little bit last week about talking about God being this vending machine. Isn't that the way we, we look at him sometimes? As if I put enough in, I'm going to get something back out. Or we think of God as a genie in a bottle where, you know, if I pray enough, I just, you know, pray three times, rub the genie lamp three times, God's going to give me what I wish. But it's so much deeper than that. And that's what these people are looking for. And then here's how they replied to this whole thing. Verse 28. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And this is an odd way for this 
them to say something, but basically what they're saying is, what work can we do to please God? What is it we can do to please God? What do we have to do to please God? And see, they just can't break out of that religion that we talked about a couple weeks ago. They can't break out of this whole thing of how they were brought up with these 613 laws that there's always someone looking over your shoulder, that you've got to perform for God to be pleased with you. You've got to, you've got to do something in order for us to earn the right for God. What is it, Jesus, that we need to do? Because there's gotta be something. And Jesus answers them in verse 29. This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And it has to take them aback because it just can't be that simple. They've lived under all this pressure. They've lived under these heavy yokes. They've lived under everything that has been then put on them by the religious leaders and, and, the, and the Pharisees. They just can't be that simple that Jesus is saying it's just about believing. And here's what they do. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. <laughs> what can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And you think about that statement. It's fairly demanding, isn't it? It's basically this attitude of, of what's in it for us. What can you do for us, Jesus? And Moses was the superhero of theirs. He's the one that led them out of, out of captivity, out of slavery, out of Egypt, kept them alive in the desert, even though they had all kinds of setbacks and they were mad at him half the time. But now this new generation is looking at Moses as this unbelievable man, this, this guy that, that, that had it all. He was their, their absolute hero. And he's talking about this bread that once again God delivers and, and sustains them. It kept them alive in the desert as they were wandering. This manna was so, the, the stories of it were so amazing. And I believe it's why Jesus uses this metaphor. Jesus goes on in verse 32. He said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is taking this, this thing that they know and he's using it to get them to understand some spiritual things. He's taking a physical need that they have and trying to get them to understand the spiritual implications, the eternal value of the thing that he is actually teaching. There's a spiritual connection to this physical thing. And, he, and here they are looking for this provision again, but the provider is standing right in front of them. And they're trying to piece all this together. It's not making total sense to them. But Jesus is unpacking this, and they're starting to relate a little bit. And here's what they say in verse 34. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus has them right where he wants them. They don't fully understand, but yet they're ready to hear. They're ready to say, okay, Jesus, what exactly are you talking about? And Jesus is about to reveal something about himself that is special for them. And he wants them to understand it clearly. And I believe he wants us to understand it clearly today also, that we can embrace these words, that we can make this connection of what Jesus is saying, not only to them, but to us today. He wants us to understand this so clearly and explain it so clearly of, of what he is here to do, what he came down from heaven, what we celebrate in this Advent season, why he is here so that we can accept it so, so that, that we can apply it and we can experience him in a, an amazing way every day 
Emmanuel, God with us. So under all this backdrop, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And now there's some connections being made in people's minds because bread was life. It was sustaining to them. It's what kept them alive. It's what kept their family alive. It's what kept everything going. Bread was not an option in this culture. It was life-sustaining, and without it, they knew that they would perish. And Jesus is taking this and saying, there's also a spiritual application to this bread. Are you getting this? You understand bread in the physical world. Can you take the leap? Can you jump with me to this eternal thing that I am trying to teach you? I am not a side dish. I am not just something to add on to your meal. I am not just something that you, you, you have once in a while. I'm not just the, the, thing, the appetizer to get to the real thing. I have got to be with you every single day if you're wanting to live. I am Emmanuel, God with us every single day in the mundane, in the exciting times, in the hard times, every place. I need to be the center because I am the bread of life. And all of a sudden now the people are starting to understand and connect this, that Jesus is here to literally keep us alive. Physically, yes, but also eternally in our spiritual lives. And you can't experience a life that I have planned for you unless you have me at the center. If you have me every day, if you have me as the, as the whole of who you are as an individual in your soul, that's what this is all about. And it's a perfect analogy for this crowd. They start understanding, they start accepting what Jesus is talking about, and it gets even harder here in a little bit. But I think for us, it falls a little bit short. Because my guess is that every one of us, or most of us, can, can go home and, and pull out some bread and throw it in the toaster and have a piece of toast if we want to. Slap some peanut butter on. It's just not, it, it doesn't hit us the same because we have so much and we're so grateful for all that. The vast majority of us don't know what it's like to be hungry. Hangry, maybe, you know? Or maybe you're like me, and, and I get made fun of this all the time. We're sitting down at lunch, and I'm starting to think about what I'm having for dinner. You know, I'm halfway through my burger, and I think, well, what are we going to have for, for dinner tonight? Or I come home, and I, I ask Barbara, I said, well, what, what do you want for dinner? What are you hungry for? And she'll say, well, I'm not really that hungry, and I want to know, well, what's that got to do with anything? You know, we're going to eat. <laughs> It's just kind of who we, we are at this point. And, and I think sometimes we take this jump because we haven't been physically hungry for so long. And because of our plenty and comfort, I, I wonder sometimes if we're not spiritually hungry because we have so much, because we have plenty, because we live in, in the way we are, and we're thankful for that. We have everything we need, but sometimes we can miss our spiritual hunger because we have all the comfort and all the ease and everything that's in front of us. And Jesus claims to be this bread of life after he's just fed this, the 5,000. And he says, I will feed you physically. I will supply your needs. But I don't want you to miss what it really means. I don't want you to miss that there's a spiritual need that you have also. I don't want you to miss that, that, that I've come for this every day, that I'm just not this side thing of yours in your life. 
I want to be every part of who you are. I want to provide for you, and I will, but I want that interconnection, that spiritual connection with you. I want to give you something eternal. So my question today for all of us is, are we spiritually hungry this Advent season? Are we anticipating God doing something amazing in our everyday lives as we celebrate Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us? How's your soul? That's what the season is all about. And I don't know what season that you are in this Advent season. Maybe you're in, in, in a season of plenty and you're on easy street and everything is going absolutely smoothly. It's, God has just been amazing and, and, you, and, you, and you're blessed. And, you, and you, you get to a point that sometimes in that plenty and sometimes in that easiness that you get to a point that do I really even need this God? Maybe you're in a season of anger. And you're just angry at God because of the things that he's allowing to happen in your life, the things that you're going through, the, the tough stuff, the, the health, the, you name it. You know, there's just things coming at you, relationship issues. And you're just mad at God. Why are you allowing me to go through this? And it makes you question him, whether he's really here amongst us. Maybe you're in a season of hurt, and there's just maybe someone that's hurt you or Maybe even a church has hurt you or religion has hurt you, and maybe you're even sitting here and you're thinking, this is the last chance, man. I'm giving the church one more chance, and we're so glad that you are here. But you're hurt, and you're wondering, you know, is this thing even worth it? And you're keeping God in an arm's distance, and it's understandable, and we get that. We're so glad that you are here. And this Christmas season, we just want to challenge you to embrace this 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 Advent season, and just take a step back and take a deep breath and look for and sense the presence of God. Revaluate, reevaluate your relationship with this Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And it's our hope and our prayer that you are hungry for something more. It's our hope and our prayer that you are hungry to take your spiritual life to another level. That, that you sense God and you experience God in unique ways, that, that it's undeniable that, that he is everything, to everything you are, not just a piece, a part of your life, that he is your life, that your life is built on everything of Jesus. And if there's something missing, that you find that, that hole that we talked about in your soul last a couple of weeks ago that can only be filled by God, that can only be filled by this, this Jesus. You may seem like you have everything, but there's still something missing. There's not this peace and this comfort that you want to experience that we sing about every week here. That's what this season is all about. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Doesn't that sound amazing? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, and we're going to take communion as a, as a family together here in just a second. And here's the thing, man. I, I want, in all the hustle and bustle of the season, I don't want you to miss the reason. And I know that sounds hokey, and it's been on a kind of sign, and it's, it's just, you know, the reason for the season, it's so easy for us to miss. And we want to reevaluate that, and we want to get back to where we really want to be. 
that this, this has been and was the start of God's master plan, this, this Jesus coming as a baby. The thing we're spending so much time on. And it's his way of reconciling the world to him. It's his way of reconciling you to him. He's ushering in a brand new kingdom. He was doing something brand new. The things were never going to be the same again. He was going to radically transform this world. And it all starts with a baby in a manger. And it ends on a cross. And he came for you. And he came because he loves you so much that he left glory. He left the heavenly realm so that he could come and be with us and walk among us and show us what God is actually like. And he knew at all time that it was not going to end well for him. I want to go back to verse 28. It says, they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And I think this is just how we process even today. We have this thought process in our minds that we've got to do something to please God. We've got to do something to be right with God. And we have this, this idea in our mind that as long as we do enough good and it outweighs the bad, then we're going to be okay and God's going to be pleased with us. That as long as my good stuff outweighs my bad stuff that I've done, then I'm okay. But that's not God's economy. It doesn't work that way. Scripture tells us there's nothing that we can do. We can never be good enough to earn God's acceptance. We've all fallen. We're, we all fall short of the glory of God. And we sit there sometimes. But Jesus says this. This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. It is that simple. Believe and trust. And once we believe and trust, then we obey. And we've gotten it so wrong so often that I think that so many people have stayed away from Jesus because they think that I've got to obey and do it right before I believe and I trust. But it's not how it works. Believe, trust, and then obey. It's just as simple as that. And so today when we come to get the elements, get the juice and the bread that represents this broken body of Jesus. It represents the bread of life. Maybe you've never made a decision. Maybe you've been trying to do all that, all the, all the good stuff and, and jumping through the right hoops, and giving and serving and coming to church, and, and it's all good stuff, but it doesn't earn you the relationship. It's all about believing and trusting. It's about believing that Jesus went to the cross and took everything you've ever done wrong and anything you have ever will do wrong, and he's paid the price that you deserve. He died for you. And you just got to believe it and trust it. And so today when you come to get the elements, maybe the first time, there's no magic words, there's no magic prayer. You just say, God, I have been trying to do this on my own, and I'm going to trust in you, maybe for the first time today. And we'd love for you to come and take communion with us. For others of you, maybe it's you realize that, you know what, I have kind of put Jesus on this side thing, that he's just been something I do occasionally. He's my Texas Roadhouse rolls before I get my steak. And he needs to be everything to you. He needs to be the center of your life every day. So when you come, maybe you relinquish whatever it is that God is asking you to relinquish. So as Jake continues to play, would you just come and get the juice and the bread and take it back to your seat?
and we'll take communion together here in just a moment.